break it on Who's that number? We lost another icon of the 80s this week. John Mahoney died Sunday, February 4th at age 77 in his beloved city of Chicago. The actor had beaten cancer twice in his life, but ultimately it was throat cancer that took him from us. But he died doing what he loved. He was still performing on stage at his beloved Steppenwolf Theater. And yet, when 80s Nation thinks of him, he takes on much different forms. He was Diane Court's loving but crooked dad and say anything. He was the seasoned but maybe naive manager of the Chicago Black Sox and eight men out. And he was an aging college professor who had his eye on the female students in Moonstruck. Brad, what, when you think of uh, John Mahoney and the work he did in the 80s, what, what to you stands out? Like, What's his signature role? Uh, you know what? I think he was one of the great supporting guys in the 80s. And the, the roles that I think jump out to is, of course, everybody's going to run to say anything. But I think he's really good in Tin Men. He's kind of a member of Richard Dreyfuss's crew of you know, miscreants trying to trick people into buying tin siding for their houses. And he's good in that role. And of course, we just talked about Moonstruck. I think actually he's, he brings a perspective to that movie that otherwise, uh, you know, the, the mom's character wouldn't have had any place to go without that conversation with, with John Mahoney's character. So, I mean, I think he's maybe a little underappreciated, a little underutilized. If you look at his IMDB list, the guy's just been busy, busy, busy. Yeah. But those are the things that I remember right away, especially, and I know I talked about Tin Men on a show a year or so ago. I really like that movie. And so I remember him in that very well. We just, like you said, we just covered Moonstruck back in December. It's episode 436 if you want to go back and listen to it. But I think you can make the argument that Olympia Dukakis does not win an Oscar if not for that scene that she has and the interplay that she has with uh, Mahoney. Yeah, I agree. They needed that scene in the movie and she needed that scene for her character to have that kind of conversation with him and with us, really. I mean, that's who it's really with. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's instrumental to that. There's, there's another great movie he was in that people never name check him for, and that's Suspect, where he plays the uh, – <laughs> spoiler alert, you know, uh, he's a villainous judge in that opposite um, Cher – and I think it's Dennis Quaid. That guy's and always, working with, always working with a share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got this great role, and you just don't ever suspect for a minute that he's the villain until the very end. And you're like, oh my God, you know, big time twist at the end. I vaguely remember that movie. It was a good movie. I mean, Cher, we always talk about Moonstruck, but Cher had other great flicks. And like you said, he was in so many other things. He was in uh, the Manhattan Project. He was in Frantic. He was in Betrayed. You know, he was in Suspect. And then, of course, we all know him as Frazier's dad. And if you want to make a point, oh yeah, you, you could say that's a spinoff of an '80s TV show because it is. It's spinoff of you know Cheers. Yep, one of the few spinoffs that actually grew legs and had a yeah. life of its own. It's like you say. I think a lot of people are going to come back to say anything, and I think. He had one of the more interesting roles in that movie because he's the loving dad. He'll do anything for his daughter, Ione Sky. In fact, he does right. too much for her, you know, and ends up going to jail. And you get yeah. that amazing scene where he's in prison and John Cusack comes to visit him. And Cameron Crowe, who directed Say Anything, he wrote a piece today in Rolling Stone. And it's this nice, really short tribute, but he talks a lot about that one scene. Okay. And he says, quote, John Mahoney's laugh wasn't just a laugh. It was a two note foghorn, a call to (laughs) arms that said, that's right. When it's good, it's fun. He said, quote, the scene was fraught with tension. We discussed many different tonal versions, deciding on a quiet one. We stood out by the barbed prison fence. I called action. (laughs) How you doing, Lloyd? Asked Jim Court, almost tenderly. Mahoney then used all his character frustration, love, and pain he'd been building up for the entire shoot in the movie and just yelled, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd! 
Crow says, that moment in John Cusack's reaction is one of the moments I'll be forever grateful for. They sure made a young director feel good. And when the take was over, you know what happened? The laugh. And it was loud. That's so awesome. That is so awesome. Cameron Crowe can write. I think one of the things that people didn't realize about um, John Mahoney, he was British. He was born British. I had no idea. You're kidding. No, from Blackpool. Moved to America as a teenager. Became a U.S. citizen in the late 50s. Started out teaching English at college and later edited a medical journal before he just decided he was unhappy with his life and wanted to take it in a different direction. I know that feeling. Wow. Good for him. He went and started trying out at theaters in the Chicago area, you know, and John Malkovic was there and encouraged him. And, you know, it just went on from there. And that's amazing. As it would turn out, when he left Frasier, he pretty much bid that role goodbye. He wouldn't show up for the reunions or anything. To him, the job was over. Okay. And he went back to Chicago, the city he loved so much. And he lived the rest of his life there and he did theater work. Nice. Good, honest acting, Spears. It is. Good, honest acting. Fantastic. I really, that's a life to be proud of. I agree. One of the things we've done over the years here at Stuck in Need is Say Anything is one of those movies we've celebrated over and over and over again um, in a bunch of different contexts. One of the very first episodes we ever did on the show back in 2005 was a, a tribute podcast to Say Anything. And I'm sure it lasted about 15 minutes long because that's how long the shows were back, <laughs> back in the day. Well, yeah, you we know. Just, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. So you and I and our good friend Carol Jansen in 2014, we did another podcast on Say Anything when the movie turned 25. And we'd like to play that podcast for you today as our, as our final tribute to John Mahoney. But before we do, but I want to go back to the final interview he gave back in October uh, 2017. And he talks about cancer and the effect it had on his life. He said, quote, when I was told I had cancer, I said, I don't care. Let's do whatever we need to do to beat it. It's not going to get me. In 2014, he was diagnosed uh, again with cancer, this time in his throat. Doctor said it was inoperable. But ultimately, uh, John said it was acting that helped cure him. He said, quote, I think it took over my healing an awful lot. I refuse to yield to it because I love what I'm doing so much. I refuse to sit at home and feel sorry for myself. Instead, I just want to get out there and do another job, unquote. John, we're going to miss you. Without further ado, here's our podcast tribute to one of your finest works, Say Anything, recorded back in 2014. Enjoy it, everyone. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture of the last longer? Uh-huh. And the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? I'm going to take out Diane Court again. Well, that's unlikely. I've glimpsed our future. And all I can say is, go back. (laughs) Diane Court doesn't go out with guys like you. She's a brain. Trapped in the body of a game show hostess. I got a question. You guys know so much about women. How come you hear it like... And gas and sip on a Saturday night, completely alone, drinking beers. No women anywhere. My choice, man. That's yeah, right, man. It's a choice, conscious right. choice. It's a choice, man. I'm choosing to be here. Yeah. I want to be here. I'm choosing it. Nobody thought we'd do this. Nobody really thinks it will work, do they? No. You just described every great success story. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears, and today we honor the 25th anniversary of Say Anything. I'm sorry. It's just you're a really nice guy, and we don't want to see you get hurt. I want to get hurt. With me, as always, Brad in L.A. 
Steve, I will neither buy, sell, nor process this podcast. No, nobody should. And special guest host today, Carol Jansen. Hey, world, check me out. <laughs> the, 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 the name this of the... dare to be great moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so obscure. That's the name of, her, of uh, Ioni Sky's graduation speech, right? No. Soaring. Oh, God. Well, there you go. I see. I've I've obviously done Cracker Jack research for this yes. show. In that you ate a lot of Cracker Jacks. Yeah, yeah. So, so fans at home might be asking themselves, "Wait a minute! Didn't you guys already do a Say Anything podcast?" Well, yes, we did nine years ago. Open up the vault, episode number six, right there next six. to all the dusty Jack Daniels bottles, wild turkey, wild turkey bottles. Um, although it might have been wild. It might have been Jack Daniels back then. Jack back Turkey. Then. I don't know. It's kind of an off-brand. So much of my brain's missing since then. But yeah, we did uh, episode six back in, what, 2005? Mm-hmm. 2005? Oh, my God. August. August 2005. Oh, my God. But that was like one month after my high school reunion, my 20th reunion. So that was that was back in the days when we thought Stuck in the 80s might last 10 episodes. So we better get like the 10 most important things covered right away. Well, yeah, you want to hit the you – know, go for the low-hanging fruit, right? Right, right. Has anyone listened to that, that show lately? I listened to it last night on the drive home. I, I, As did I. did I. Okay, here's the words I'm about to say that I will immediately regret. How does it hold up? It was only 20 minutes long. Yeah, it's short. <laughs> there's no segments. Um, there's there's no hey, hey at the top. Aw. You know, but. Gina was cool. Yeah. You had another uh, special guest. Yeah, who you didn't I, allow to speak for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> who was it? Cast. I mean. It was Christine like the, somebody, it was a like, fan of John Cusack. Oh, yeah. my God. Christine Koicha. Yeah. Um, yeah. You treated her like Bob Euchre treats the best color man no, in baseball in Major gotta, League. No, you, you got to. I mean, uh, Christine was someone I worked with. I mean, literally worked right next to me, and yeah. um, she was very. She's a very quiet person, in general. Yeah. And anytime you put a microphone in front of someone for the first time for a podcast, they get even more quiet. Look, yeah, I can vouch for that. Yeah, look at Sean Daly's first podcast on Stuck in the 80s. I don't think he talked. Crickets. Yeah, Crickets. for six minutes he didn't say a word. So, so it's a little lower key, maybe a little lower energy, but you know, you guys are finding your way. It's not bad. I don't think I want to go back. I couldn't bring myself to listen to it. No, Diane Court says go back. <laughs> go back. Actually, can, can we start talking about the movie? Yeah, yeah. I, that cracked me up because that seemed so note on for a high school graduation speech that the person who was writing it thought it was hilarious and everybody else in the class is like can we just finish this up i'm not responding i'm not paying attention you know zero feedback from the crowd you know so except for the dad laughing except for the dad who was like that's hilarious <laughs> that's my girl that's my girl oh my god yeah it's a it's an interesting movie um it's it's considered a romantic comedy drama because there's so many of those and it was Cameron Crowe's first directorial uh, effort. Okay, how you doing? Hello. Uh, I'm Lloyd, and we're going to watch this movie, Cocoon. I've never actually seen it, but I, I hear it's very good. I hear it makes you very happy, so I figure that's a good thing, good film to see. One that makes you happy. It's about a group of older people who go to outer space. I hope I didn't give anything away there. Say Anything is ranked by Entertainment Weekly as one of the best high school movies of all time, ranking it number 11 on their list of the 50 best high school yeah. movies nice. of all time. Number one, anyone want to guess what the number one high school movie of all time is? Um, uh, Fast Times? Yeah, I was going to say Fast Times, but maybe Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. Number two, it's number two is Fast Times. And then Heather's 16 Candles and Ferris Bueller all come before Say Anything on the list. Uh, Wrong. That's, that's, I don't understand. I, I mean, I like those films, but I think Say Anything is a better high school depiction, a better depiction of where people are kind of mentally at well, high school. It brings up a good question, but because do you even really consider this a high school movie since only about maybe two minutes of it actually happens in high school? Yeah, I think the summer yeah. after your senior year, you're kind of in the no man's land to some extent, but you're still kind of a high schooler. You haven't gone through the the changes of going off to college and doing what you want and whatever yet. So, yeah, I think you're still a high schooler. Yeah, although Lloyd said he was 19, that's a little old for high school, but it was 
it was definitely a high school genre. Didn't he say he was overseas with his family and that's why yes. he was, you know, so yeah, yeah. it yeah. wasn't that he was held back because of special. <laughs> uh. Does uh, Carol, do you remember where you were when you first saw this movie? Um, I was here in Washington because it was 1989 when it came out. So I have the fortunate ability to say that I have been a, on a date and eaten at Bell Square. So, Whoa. oh my God, check you out. Yeah. Well, that's was... why we have you on this show because you bring credibility, which is yes, otherwise completely although... lacking. What is, what is Bell Square? Is it a mall? Bellevue Square is here in Bellevue. It's the mall. There's, you know, about four or five big malls in the area. Is that where they shared a meal? That's where they shared a meal, although it's geographically completely inconsistent with the film. But rarely are they, you know, suspend a little disbelief there, huh? Yeah, I like it, though. I'll, I'll go off on a little tangent here, though. But I like it when the city has a role in the movie, you know, but they didn't show any of Seattle's great features. Westlake center you know when they did the drive-by that's where she broke up with me and but they didn't show the space needle they showed a little bit of the water there wasn't anything of a feature when i saw about about last night they they did the great scenes of chicago but seattle was just an uncredited player here well i think that's part of what part of the appeal of the movie is it's not about the place it's about the character right right Right. So that it could have been. I mean, I I think I do. They mention they're in Seattle. I don't even know. I don't. Yeah, remember. they have an ugly. They have an ugly Seattle sign. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't even remember that, and I just saw it the other night. What, yeah. Brad? Do you remember the first time you saw it? I don't. Rem- I know I saw it in the theater. I don't have any specific recollection. I remember going to see it. it would have been right before I graduated from college, actually. Yeah, same for me. I'm like, I know I saw it in the theater, and yet. I'm thinking, okay, this came out in obviously in April. Um, I don't remember where. I, I, I was I still in school? Had I graduated? I don't remember. I probably went and saw it at the mall in Gainesville, Florida. Um, yeah. And I would have seen it because I was a fan of John Cusack at the time, and and not I always loved him. Yeah, and probably I probably went to see this more because of him than because of Cameron Crowe. These days, I would probably more likely see a movie yeah. because of Cameron Crowe, not because of John Cusack. Wait a minute. What do we just decide? I think that we should stop going out on dates. Oh. I feel like a dick. Chicago Sun-Times film critic uh, Roger Ebert, who I I like to quote on the blog a lot, because he reviewed so many movies uh, of this era. It was his job. It was his job. But I mean, but he he went on the record, and you can read almost all his reviews online. He called it, quote, one of the best films of the year. A film that is really about something that cares deeply about the issue it contains, and yet it is also it also works wonderfully as a funny, warm-hearted romantic comedy. Unquote. And he later included it in. I guess he did a list back in 2002 of like the great movies of all time, uh, and he, he gave it the honor of including it here as well, and said, you know, quote, you know, this movie you know, exists entirely in a real world. It's not a fantasy or a pious parable, and it has characters who we recognize. Is directed with care for the human feelings involved, and maybe that's why twenty. Maybe what? Maybe that's what gives this movie a little bit of its um, staying power over the years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like I said. I I think it's an honest look at what people are really like at that age. I mean, the everybody in this movie. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. The two main characters in this movie just get terrible advice from everybody around them, and but it's it's all very well meaning. And it's just completely misdirected. And from you know, 25 years later, you can look back and go, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. But when you're 19, 18, you don't know. You haven't made that mistake yet. I just think you should break up with him. Unbelievable. This is nightmare. Diane, you owe it to yourself to get on that plane with no attachments, no strings. Because after you get over there, things are going to change. People change. Dad, you and I have talked about this. Lloyd and I have talked about this. Believe me, this is well-covered territory. Diane, I'm not asking you to sever all relations with the boy. Give him a present. Here. Let him know you still care. Give him this pen. Pen. Dad, in a million years, I would never give him a pen. 
Carol, when when you first saw this movie, did any of the characters influence you in any way? Well, I did not. I did not like Diane. I could not stand her. Lloyd was genuine, vulnerable, so lovable and real. I just, I just. Uh, that's why he's every girl's favorite boyfriend. More so than uh, Jake Ryan. Oh no, Jake Ryan's. Ugh. Oh my gosh, I agree with somebody on this topic. <laughs> there's oh. nothing there's nothing exciting about Jake Ryan. Nice car. <laughs> nice car. Yeah, okay. Spanner's okay. got a lot of money. I do love the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, Brad, did you associate with any of the characters in this movie? Yeah, no, sorry. You know who Bad you answer. were in this movie? I know who Brad was in this movie. You're Jason Gould. You're you're the uh the kid who's passed out in the bathroom that they have to drive home. <laughs> Mike Cameron. <That's> my house. <laughs> Mike Cameron with the big fuzzy red hair. Yeah, that's uh, Barbara Streisand's son. So. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. Oh. You see him again, and uh, you'll see him again in Prince of Tides. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny. That's a great little piece there. I love the bit. Well, <laughs> I hope, man. Yeah, I love the I love the little bit parts in this movie, like the Eric Stoltz, you know, figure mm-hmm. at the party, or. Uh, uh, Jeremy Piven being, you know, one of his buddies and stuff like that. I mean, just you must chill. <laughs> well, I love the the connection that John Cusack and Jeremy Piven have being in so many movies together. I mean, you look for them when, you know, they're in a film. Have they Now, have they had a bit of a falling out? That's what I understand. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, it's been going on for several years. And I'm not so sure what it's about. I think it might have come about during the time when Piven was really uh, on top of the world with uh, HBO's Entourage. Entourage, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's too bad. So let me ask you this: So when was the last time you saw this movie? Prior to two days ago? <laughs> no, no, no. Just no. I mean, you saw you saw it two days ago, then, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you do you see the movie differently today, 25 years later, now that you're an adult and you're a father? Um, I think so. I mean, it's not. What was the? You know, I've I've been on the record now several times saying that I think Footloose is really about uh, Reverend Shaw Moore, but I don't think I can say that about say anything. I mean, I didn't. I I kind of appreciate the perspective of the father, but I think again he's giving his daughter terrible advice. It's very self serving. Um, I think he wants the best for her, but he the way he goes about it is, I don't know. It, it's. I mean, I know it's a movie, and it has to, you got to tell the story quickly, so there's not a lot of nuance in it. Does the scene where Diane Court tells her dad about what happened the night before, um, when she you know basically finally gets around to admitting that that she and Lloyd had sex, does that scene freak either to either one of you out? I spent the night with him. Lloyd. Dad, yes, and. I'm scared to death of what you must think of me right now. Did he ever get rough with you? Dad, no. But I didn't want any problems, so I decided not to sleep with him. But then I attacked him anyway. It always feels good to tell you the truth. Because if I can't share it with you... It's almost like it didn't happen. I was taking notes while I watched this movie because I knew we were doing the podcast. And when she said, it always feels good to tell you the truth, I wrote down, sweet Jesus, oh, daughter of mine, do not tell me that truth. (laughs) Well, I think the dad's just manipulative. Yeah, he is. He 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 is is so – oh, I just – I. But does he do? He ruins the movie for me. I mean, I don't know that it's not coming from a. Again, I I think he wants what's best for his daughter, but the way he goes about it, as as you say, he's very manipulative. No, but do you think? I I think that seems. I don't. I mean, aside from his his legal problems and stuff, I don't think there's anything. I don't think anything that has to do with that scene. To me, I look at that scene and I'm like, that's how it probably would go down. God, I hope not. I mean, I could see my parents. I, I never went and told my parents anything like that. You know, I never said I had sex last night to them. I never, I don't think I ever clued them in as to when that moment happened. Yeah. 1984. Thompson Twins, hold me now. In any case, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I imagine it would go down something like if I didn't come home and I was supposed to be home, I can imagine they would be awake and yelling at me and demanding the truth and then me. 
Yeah, I mean, that part does ring Probably like, still not been? telling them. <laughs> yeah. Do you realize how worried I've been? No, of course they don't realize how worried you've been. They're I mean, all having a good time. I would hope that they, though, that as a parent, I mean, he's, I think his reaction to finding out that his, you know, she's told him the truth. Yeah, I had sex last night with Lloyd. And you know, he doesn't blow up at her. I mean, he, you could tell that it's, he's bothered, but he's also kind of relieved that, and disturbed that she told him the truth. I think it's a beautiful scene. I agree with what you're saying. He, he, he reacts in a way that is blowing up isn't going to, it's not going to change it. It's happened. So, you know, let move forward. Yeah, but from, from then on, he does try to ruin the relationship. Well, he's not been a fan from day one. No. Well, what's better? What's best for? Let's face it. Even then, didn't you know the right thing for Diane Court to do is to go to England on that fellowship? I mean, didn't oh, you know yeah. that the right thing was for her to not be with Lloyd? Um. Well, I don't know if no. that's clear. You no. really want. I I kind of was. Like, I mean, they're 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 cute. from different worlds. Yes. I mean, it's obviously it's an opposites attract kind of story. Is there a long term there? There, I I don't know. I mean, we can speculate about that later. Yeah. But just, I, I don't. It I don't, had the right ending. It I mean, he brings right he ending. brings her out of her shell. You know, by taking her to that party. One of the things I notice, people will say, "Oh, you know, Lloyd, he was an outsider. He was a you know he was a you know rebel or whatever." Everybody at that party knows him. He's not an outsider. He Everyone's was, happy to popular. see him. Yeah, everyone's happy she to see was, him. They trust she was him. The yeah, she exactly. And by going to that party with I mean, that them going to that party together worked well for both of them. You know, it brought her into this world that she never otherwise wouldn't have seen. And you know, it gave him like, whoa, she came with you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think when I saw it, I mean, obviously, I I think I gravitated more towards Lloyd. You know, because here's this guy who. I, I, I can guarantee you in high school I was not like Lloyd. I didn't like wear my heart on my sleeve. You know, I, yeah. I, th- I think that's something that's more of a a recent thing for me. And um, certainly in the last I'll 10 years of doing this. <laughs> Says the man who's been divorced <laughs> twice. I, results vary. <laughs> results vary. Your mileage may vary. Past performance is no indication yeah, of future I results. I, I, I feel no. better about myself. Being like good. that, and I and yeah. I look at Lloyd. I'm like, well, that's, I think he's a good character. I think he's a good role model for to to a certain extent for guys to to well, aspire. Yeah, to he's be. honest about where he's coming from and what his intentions yeah. are. And I love the courage, cool but vulnerable. Yeah, cool the, but vulnerable. And the courage to ask out Diane Court. I mean, God sakes, man. Yeah, the huevos. Just, just, and really impressive. But, but then towards the end of the movie, I'm like, oh man, you know, just let her go. I mean, she's. Get, I, he I sincerely loves her. Oh, I know. I just can't. Well, you know, but, but, but the, remember the line, did you need some, me or did you just need somebody? And he's like, you know, know. don't ask that question. Don't ask that oh, question. so honest. I love that part. I love you. Question. You're here because you need someone or because you need me? Forget it. I don't care. She didn't need him. She needed somebody. I, I think yeah. that's true. I think that's true. So here's another thing I noticed when I was watching the movie is there's a lot, you know, is made of, of Lloyd's female friends. Um, Oh gosh, no, Corey in DC. Corey in DC. There's only like two scenes where the three of them are hanging out, and they're pretty short. I could almost see a prequel to this movie where you get to where they you get to see more about them. That would we'd be- learn something about Joe. Yeah, yeah. We get to hear the whole Joe story. Joe, except for that, Joe lies. Joe lies. <laughs> um, like Ashley. It's a dark movie. When I was watching it, uh, I started watching it last night, and I, I tried to get through it, and I, I was struggling. Because I just forgot how ridiculously dark it is. I mean, well, why do you say that? I think everyone. I mean, there's a darkness to Lloyd. You know, his yeah. parents aren't there. He's living with his sister. There's obviously a darkness to Diane's dad. Maybe that's why I bought it. I mean, maybe that's why I enjoyed the movie so much. Is it seemed like yeah, everybody has stuff they're dealing with, right? right. So that makes it a little more honest. Yeah, you know, Corey's got Joe. You know, I mean. DC doesn't get to talk. DC doesn't get to talk. <laughs> Never so let me talk. So it just it just goes on and on. It is a dark. 
It's a dark movie. It's got one of the darkest breakup scenes known to mankind. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not a quick execution. It's a slow insertion of a knife into the yeah, heart. Yeah, she doesn't know she's doing it though. That's the thing. She doesn't. I don't think she realizes she's breaking up with him until she's halfway through it. What? What did we just decide? What? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Know. Remember when we did the break? When we did, when we did the breakup show on Stuck in A's? I remember thinking, okay, we need five breakup scenes from the A's. I'm like, you know, so basically the one from Say Anything and four others. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I mean, you could almost do the top five John Cusack ones. You need someone that drives a nicer car, more popular. <laughs> yeah, Better Off Dead would have been. You could almost do a, a top five John Cusack ones. Yeah. Uh, hey, that, that which begs the question. Which it I know doesn't a, beg the question. I know. It does not Brad beg the question. hates that phrase. I begs hate it when it's used incorrectly. It raises the question. Raises the question. Where do you rank? Say anything among your personal list of John Cusack films. Hmm. Number two. Wow, what's number one? I like High Fidelity. Yeah, I like High Fidelity too. High Fidelity is number one. Yeah, that's that's my number one. Number two. But are we talking eighties or all time? All time, all time. Let's go all time. Open it up. Um, John Cusack. High Fidelity. Say anything. Serendipity. Better off dead. Serendipity. That's terrible. Did not say that. Take that back. You're, I will you're not. A, you're in timeout, young lady. Okay, you know, uh, a <laughs> the few grifters? years. Oh, he's great in the grifters. Um, last year, Cusack um, turned 47, and I did a ranking of his top 47 movies. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know where Serendipity was? 48. 46. <laughs> Would you oh. put "Stand by Me" below it just because you're <sighs> in it for thirty seconds? "Stand by Me." You what? never saw it with your fiance then, so I don't even think "Stand by Sarah Me." Dippy. No, <laughs> God, I saw that with Katie. It's it is so dippy. It's oh, bad. you know, no, it's it's not that. Bad. It's not that bad. It really is. It really I, I is. number one, I put "High Fidelity." Number yeah. two, "Better Off Dead." Number three, uh, "Say Anything." And then after that, it was the sure thing, "True Colors," eight men out, gross point blank. Tape heads, Max, and the Grifters. You put tape heads above the Grifters? I didn't care for the Grifters that much. That oh, being like said, it's still number 10. I like the Grifters. So did you notice that when he's driving around in Seattle in Say Anything that on one of the theater marquees is tape heads? I did mm-hmm. see that. How cool is that? <laughs> I thought that was a nice little touch. 45th and Guild. Oh, geez. So it's what's your there. list, Brad? Oh, so now I have to actually come up with a list. I think I would put High Fidelity at the top. I just it surprised me how much I like that movie. Um, you're gonna hate me for this, but I think Hot Tub Time Machine is probably in the top ten too. That's fine. Uh, I don't hate you for that. Yeah, it's not a good not movie. But I watch it an awful lot. Um, Great White Buffalo. Great Buffalo. Uh, I I really I here. This is my serendipity. America's Sweethearts. I'll watch that anytime it's on. Whoa! I find that movie really funny. Whoa! I find that movie very funny. <laughs> I think it's everyone's the, got their everyone's got their, their everyone's their, got their blind spots. I think it's the um the Billy Crystal character just kills me. He is so Hollywood. It's just perfect. I feel bad for putting the short thing at number four. Uh, you should. It's not a great movie. What? Um, it's it's, I, it's I, okay. I it be higher. It's okay. Um, let's see. True Colors, Grifters, uh, Say Anything, um, Better Off Dead. I don't think we can put 16 candles in there because he's such a minor character there, but yeah, he's great for the men for the minutes he's there, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. You know, uh, just drew who was uh, on a lot of the most recent shows when we were doing our sound, uh, soundtrack madness tournament, he had a great suggestion for the show. He wanted us to do hit the top five Lloyd Dobler metaphysical rantings from the movie. So I took a little time last night and I'm ready to present. The top five Lloyd Dobler metaphysical rantings. Here we go. Number five. Look, I know you're busy. You don't have to entertain me, but uh, you can trust me. Uh, I'll tell you a couple things about myself. I'm 19. I've been overseas for a couple semesters. Now I'm back. I'm an athlete, so I rarely drink. Kickboxing. You ever heard of kickboxing? Sport of the future? Don the Dragon Wilson, Benny the Jetter Keaton, Murray Smith, some of the champions of the sport. I can see by your face, no. My point is you can relax because your daughter will be safe with me for the next seven to eight hours, sir. Number four. I'm not going to go to Seattle Junior College. 
I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for something bigger, you know? I'm looking for a dare-to-be-great situation. Lloyd, everybody in that party put something on their record except you. How many of them really know what they want, though? I mean, a lot of them think that they have to know, right? But inside, they don't really know, so... I don't know. But I know that I don't know. Thank tough, Lloyd. Number three. You don't like old people, do you? Me? Sure I do. Come on. Well, except for one thing. I used to work at a smorgasbord, and, you know, the old people would flock there, and they, and they loved to eat. And they just jammed their mouths, you know, and they just would eat with their mouths open. And to be honest, it's just too much for me. I mean, you know, you get to be thinking about how short life is and how maybe maybe everything has no meaning because you wake up and then you're frying burgers, and, you, and then you're like 60 and 70, and then, you know, you check out, and, you know, what are you doing? And I just don't need to think about those kind of things. So that that's the reason I was... Um, but I'm not sure I'm right about any of that. I think that's ageism. And that, that's being prejudiced against people because they're old. Maybe their mouths don't work as well as yours. Really? Um, I, well, you're really turning me around here. I, I was looking at it the wrong way, I think. Number two. I'm not going to be somebody like Diane Corded a kegger. I mean, this girl was different, man. When we go out, we wouldn't even have to go out, you know? we just hang out. Girl made me trust myself, man. I was walking around, I was feeling satisfied. Can you imagine that? And she cuts me loose. I don't know why. She won't tell me why. Who knows the real reason? Maybe it's because of her father. I don't know. She won't talk to me. She won't look at me. Come on! Christ, Lord, what are you? Get out of your head! Chill, man! Number one! I thought about this quite a bit, sir, and I, I would have to say, considering what's waiting out there for me, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. So, uh, my father's in the Army. He wants me to join, but I can't work for that corporation. Um, so what I've been doing lately is kickboxing, which is a uh, new sport, but I think it's got a good future. As far as career longevity, I don't really know because, you know, you can't really tell. If you're eight and six as a fighter, you know, it's no good. You know, you have to be great, but I can't really tell if I'm great until I've had a couple of pro fights. But I haven't been knocked down yet. I don't know. I can't figure it all out tonight, so I'm just going to hang with your daughter. Everybody agree on number one there being the uh, bought, processed, or sold one. Yeah, that yeah, that's the your clear front runner. Yeah, it's totally connected to the movie. You can't miss that. So did you? I read somewhere this week that John Cusack had kind of written that out himself um, as part of he was trying to understand the character, and he's like, "What kind of you know? What does this guy stand for?" And that's something that he had kind of come up with. The I don't want to buy any bought, buy sell process. Yeah, yeah, that was some sort of a, a character essay that he came up with and that Crow later inserted into the film. Yeah. Do you remember the scene with the with the lawyers, the plea deal scene? Yeah. I, I oh, did yeah. not remember that at all. And that's hilarious. They're How sitting clinical. at this desk eating McDonald's. Like, yeah. oh, no time and $25,000. No, we'll never take that. How about 12 months and $80,000? Oh, how about six months? And it's like, it's over in 15 seconds. They've just determined yep. this guy's, the outcome of this guy's life. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure it happens just like that. I'm sure it does. Over McDonald's. 99 cent Big Macs. Yeah, and large fries. <laughs> Did anyone ever attend a party like that in high school? Seriously? I didn't. I wasn't invited to that kind of party. Um, You know, I broke up with... It a, was crazy. Yeah. I broke up with a girlfriend right before graduation. Or she broke up with me, I guess. And... We were both invited to some big, the big graduation yeah. party, and um, I just felt like I couldn't go because of that. Like, I knew she was going to be there, and I, I just didn't want to the drama. Yeah. You know, or and I didn't want, and I didn't want to ruin it for her. I wanted her to have fun, and so I remember my parents just saying, deciding not to go. Yeah, my parents basically saying, "So you got a big couple big parties you're going to go to," and I'm like. Yeah, and I think I, what I basically did was I went out in my car and I drove around for a couple of hours and then I came home. 
and um, and just went to bed. Was it a big Chevy Malibu? It was a white. No, it was a white Mustang. White Mustang. But it was. I. I think I drove by the party, you know, and I saw that her car was there, and I'm like, okay, yeah. and I just. So I I spent my high school graduation yeah. night by myself. High school grad. Have I talked about this? Our grad night at our high school in California. They the parents did a big thing for us, and it was because somebody years ago. And I know you were kidding me about this. Somebody years ago had died in a drunk driving accident on grad night, and so the there was some foundation set up, and they did a big party for the seniors at the school, and you got locked in basically. You couldn't leave and whatever. So the thing I remember most about it is leaving the next morning as I'm walking across the parking lot, I just had this total sense that this door was closing behind me, you know, like oh. this part of, no, no, not a bad way. Like this is like this yeah. part of my life is over. I'm on to the next thing. And I know earlier in the podcast, I said, yeah, with the year you graduate from high school that summer, you're still a high schooler. But I felt like, like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm ready to do something else now. Let's see what it is. Did, did you go to a party like that, Carol? No, no. <laughs> I don't know if parties like that really exist unless I you have really neighbors that are a really long ways away. <laughs> the cops are getting called if it's that noisy all night yeah. long. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. But you know what else can make us happy? The Seggies. Ah, the mystical refrain and reader mailbag. Hey, um, a few weeks ago, we challenged the listeners of Stuck in the 80s. Hey, if you want to host or co-host a metal show with us, uh, email us your credentials because, to be honest, Brad and I are not metal fans. Rock on, bro. Carol, are you a metal fan? Um, No, not – no. I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> I would, it would have shocked me if you said yes. Um, <laughs> so we got a few emails, and uh, the emails continue to pour in, including one from Bruce in the Berg. You got time to read it, Brad? Oh, I have got all day to read reader mailbag. Although it's listener mailbag, really, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Anyway, I know. Tradition. Back to the letter. Stephen Brad, Bruce begins. Been a loyal listener since the Gina days through daily and now to current day. I love the podcast and was even more excited to see that you're opening up your horizons to a serial on metal in the 80s. I know all genres of metal and can offer a lot of commentary and insight into the best of the 80s. I know my stuff, Steve. Come on, let's crank it to 11 and start banging some heads. Your loyal listener forever stuck in the 80s, Bruce and the Berg. I'd listen to that show. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, Bruce and St. Petersburg. Yeah, that's pretty good. The um, the other one we got, very unusual. See, I see an email in there the other day, and it's got an attachment, which usually is that always means, bad news. <laughs> that means tears. So, But this one's from Dave Dirt, who actually recorded his own letter to us. Um, it goes on for about four minutes, so be patient, but um, it's entertaining nonetheless. So, ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Dave Dirt. Mr. Spearsy, Mr. in L.A., other distinguished co-hosts and uh, hangers-on and passers-by. Just wanted to drop my name in the hat for the honor of co-hosting the hair metal podcast you guys are talking about. I was so excited whenever you brought that up. As soon as I heard it, I was like, okay, I gotta call him. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, back in the 80s, man, metal was my life. All I did was metal-related. From the time that I heard Ride the Lightning from Metallica, I just grabbed a hold and just took everything and soaked it in like a sponge. Which was a bit difficult, uh, seeing how I uh, grew up in the middle of nowhere in southwest Missouri kind of hard to get a hold of stuff, but uh, yeah, anytime I could get a hold of a circus magazine or hit parader or anything like that, I'd just scour the pages for uh, new bands and stuff to look up, and uh, did a good amount of tape trading for my cousins, and his cousins, cousins, and you know, just everybody we could think of that had uh, any sort of metal. And, you know, most of it was, uh, at first, was a lot of the heavier stuff, but then as soon as uh, radio got a hold of uh, hair metal and, and the poppier stuff, that was uh, most of what we ended up uh, getting. Just anything from, you know, Doc and Rat Crew, all the, the mainstream stuff. Warrant Winger, Slaughter, all that kind of good stuff, all the way down to the really uh, more obscure stuff, Shotgun Messiah, Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, Taiketo, stuff like that. Uh, my very first concert was uh, actually in 1990. It 
was after our beloved decade was over. But hey, like I said, nothing ever came down that way. So, uh, but I finally got to go to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, see Alice Cooper in Danger, Danger. Yes, my very first concert experience, the first time I ever laid eyes on a live band. They were truly a hair metal footnote. <laughs> anyway, I uh, also fell in love with all all sorts of shredders. Anybody who could play a million notes a second was a huge hero of mine. Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, especially Ingley uh, uh, Malmsteen was huge. Yeah, my mother was uh, classically trained, so... Uh, he really appealed to me because he played all basically just Bach at a million miles. I never could play any of that stuff. I was a, more of a drummer at the time. I mean, I was still a drummer, but I, I wasn't nearly as into the guitar back then. I just loved to hear it and loved to imagine that someday I'd be able to play it. Of course, that never happened, but hey, whatever. But uh, yeah, we did have a, a little little high school band. It was kind of hard to do because there wasn't many people down there. So basically it was myself and my cousin and whoever the hell we could find that could pluck a bass string once or twice. We actually got to do one show uh, ever in high school. Uh, Our principal actually called an assembly and let us perform five or six songs in front of, uh, what was it, grades 7 through 12, which was just... Awesome! We loved that. My girlfriend, not so much because all the uh, senior hot girls were up against the stage yelling for me, but that's another story. <laughs> anyway, I would be absolutely honored to uh, take part in a podcast about hair metal if you guys would have me. I don't know if you guys have chosen anybody all or not already, but even if you have, I'd be up for just doing anything, really, uh, if you need a recorded piece or... Anything like that, I'd be up for that. Anyway, thanks for your consideration, and I hope to hear from you soon. In the meantime, I will be here, stuck in the world of 80s metal. See ya! What do you think, guys? I think we have a pair of good guest co-hosts now. We've Go got for a it. lot of candidates. Bruce and the Berg and Dave Dirt. You have officially been dubbed... As um, future co-hosts of our metal shows, Woo-hoo. we'll see how that turns out. Um, as always, you can send your emails. And hey, if you want to record your letter to us, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. So you can just do it and just attach it as yeah, a. Why do you want to hear me read it? You can yeah. just yourself read it. Um, <laughs> it's sit80s at gmail dot com or Brad in the eighties at gmail dot com. And Brad's always happy when he gets email sent to him. It does make me happy. It and takes then, so little. Yeah. And then Stephen, <laughs> Stephen is at gmail dot com. Hey, before we leave reader mailbag, something else that we mentioned in the last show, and I thought it was pretty cool. And I'm, I'm really surprised by the turnout we've gotten. Um, Brad, you had told a story about a friend, right? Who had a high school. Yeah. Who basically picked a song and picked poorly. And, so, regret it, and regrets it to this day. So, so back in high school, they at his school, they asked people pick a song to put beneath your name and your photo in the yearbook. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, and what did he pick? He had he was trying to decide between "Don't You Forget About Me" and the theme from St. Elmo's Fire, and it wouldn't be a story if he hadn't picked St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> <laughs> we had asked fans of the show to write in or to um, leave us a message on Facebook with what they would pick, because it seems like almost nobody, nobody went to a school that also had this tradition, which I think is a cool tradition. I, I would totally be in favor of it, other than the fact that it sets you up for a man in motion, you know, bonehead move <laughs> yeah, 25 yeah, years you later. Know, one more thing to regret. <laughs> I should have asked Diane Court out, and what was I thinking with yeah. the man in motion thing? So so we, we did ask people, here are some of our favorite answers. Lisa Barefoot from the class of 1987 would have picked Careless Memories from Duran Duran. Uh, Rick Vetters from the class of 1985, Can't Hardly Wait from The Replacements. Good one. Nice. Uh, Marissa, everyone knows Marissa, class of 1983, Sticks is Best of Times. Excellent pick. Oh, good one. Yeah. Good one. Uh, D. Page, D. Page, who graduated in 1987, Notorious by Duran Duran. You mean no? No. no. Notorious. Notorious. <laughs> I'd love to hear the story about why she would pick that song. 
Robert Jordan picked uh, The Ties That Bind by Bruce Springsteen. Bass Note, Class of 1985, It's Gonna Get Better by Genesis. Good Ooh. pick. Uh, Steve Ramos, Class of 88, Devil Inside by In Excess. <laughs> That's an interesting pick. Uh, Bill with 1L, who graduated in 1987, I Wanna Be Somebody by Wasp. Wow. That's pretty mm. Another Another hard headbanger here. Michael Roche, Class of 85, In My Dreams by Dokken. Nice. Hello. Uh, and Downey Wright, who actually went to high school with me, graduated the same year, class of 85, countryside, represent. Uh, Mad World by Tears for Fears. I can totally, totally see. Yeah, I can totally see her picking that song, too. Uh, Tina Curtos, class of 1987, keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> what the hell is that about? Don't give me no lines. You keep your hands to yourself. Uh, I don't want to know. I kind of do want to know. <laughs> Uh, John Stolick, class of 1993, Ordinary World by Duran Duran. Duran Duran's hey, a popular John. pick. Uh, Christine McDonald, 1987, Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis. Okay. God, some of these names are – this one's going to be hard. I, I don't know if I can get to this one. You, you got it. Anna Marie Scaparato Canarato. <laughs> I, that's we'll not even, with, how about just Anna Marie? Anna Marie. 1986, Boys of Summer by uh, Don Henley. Interesting. Excellent. Keith Mackey, 1985, What About Me by Moving Pictures. Oh, Keith. Oh, no. I like that. That's a good pick. <laughs> what about, what about me? me? It's such a sad sack song. <laughs> it is. He's going, he's going for my my. I know. He's, he's horning in he, on your territory, man. Eeyore, Keith. That's me. <laughs> How many Eeyores does this country need? Yeah. The class of 85. Uh, Stuart O'Neill, <laughs> Wouldn't It Be Good by uh, Nick Kershaw. That's good. I love that song. That's and song. Uh, Gabriel Daigle, Pro- uh, Freedom of Choice by Devo. Gabriel, you're the man. So What? Hey, I, I, that's not, I'm, I'm not Gabriel Daigle in disguise. Gabriel Daigle is an actual human being. <laughs> I'm sure I am. sure he's a man. With feelings. Ca- Carol, since you weren't part of this, Carol, what, what songs would you have picked? Or what song? Well, I graduated long ago in 1981, so that that was the year of uh, Betty Davis' eyes, Endless Love, Kiss on My List, but our senior class went to Disneyland. I don't know if they still do that, but Cool and the Gang was there singing Celebration. That's so awesome. That's, that's kind of my connection to, to high school. Nice. Huh. I, I think they brought back Grad Night at Disneyland. They they stopped doing it for a couple of years, but I think they're doing it again. They got rid of it at Disney World over here where I live, but it may have brought it back. I don't, I don't care. So I'm done with it. Yeah. <laughs> Want to stay all night? Knock yourself out. Yeah, I was I was so beat at the end of that night. Um, Brad, I know. Did you pick one last week? Would you pick? Um, I yeah, I think I kind of off the cuff. I went with uh, "Through Being Cool" by Devo, which I'm going to stand on that one. Uh, but yeah. I'd also throw out, um, <laughs> you know, and I probably wouldn't have picked this then. So maybe this is not in the spirit of it. But I started listening to the Adam Ant album Prince Charming a lot this last year. Uh-huh. And there's the first song on that, Scorpios. That's actually very similar in theme to Through Being Cool. Like, you know, we're not going to we're not going to conform to your standards of what's cool and what isn't. You know? oh. It's kind of you know, anyway, it's a cool song. Great trumpet line. I'm a sucker for for a good brass line. And then, of course, you know, it goes without saying, uh, "Private Dancer" by Tina Turner. You're gonna pick "Private Dancer" as your as your yearbook? It's <laughs> a joke. Come on. No, I don't know. I, I don't Brent know. Garvin, male. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just a joke, Steve. <laughs> it's a joke. Come on, I, man. I don't think just I picked, kidding. I didn't pick one last week. I, I don't think, or if I did, I don't remember what it was. Thinking about it since then, I, I think I might pick "Things Can Only Get Better" by Howard Jones, which came out that same year. Uh, Live Every Moment by REO Speedwagon. Uh, My Own Way by Duran Duran. Man, you're going to slit your wrists. Uh, or Destination Unknown by Missing Persons. No uh, Life in One Day or you know, uh, like more upbeat. This there. is Spearsy. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> what makes Spearsy cry? Just High about. High school songs. <laughs> <laughs> Our new 10 part series. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey, y'all, I, I got a great new album in the mail today. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Hello. Yes, the 
legendary Hey Love collection is back. You got me going in circles. These are the original sounds of sexy soul. classic soul ballads. You got me hypnotized. Get Hey Love on two CDs or two cassettes. Order with your credit card and get a free bonus album of slow jams. You stay, stay darling. Three albums, 50 hits. Hey, Mrs. Mrs. Jones. So remember, order with your credit card and get three beautiful soul albums. This is a fantastic album, man. Let me buy it. No, my brother. You've got to buy your own. Call 1-800-792-3993 to order Hey Love for $29.99 for two CDs or two cassettes. Use your credit card and receive a free bonus CD or cassette. Or send $29.99 plus $4.99 shipping and handling to Hey Love, Department 4, Richmond, Virginia, 23280. Excellent pick uh, for commercial. That's Carol Jansen's pick. Why'd you pick that, Carol? Well, it was quoted in the movie. Yes, it was. My brother. <laughs> My brother. Apparently it was played or overplayed so much that they they uh, grabbed onto that in the in the film. Yeah, one of the lines of that scene that really bothered me was his sister saying, Why can't you be his uncle instead of being his buddy? I'm like He's his uncle. He should be his That's buddy. That's what an uncle is. Yeah. Right. It's not his dad. Yeah. Obviously, there's some stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? I didn't realize that Joan Cusack was her. She appears uncredited in that movie. She's not credited? Nope. That's weird. She had a, she had a lot of speaking parts there. Yeah. yeah. How, how did they get away with that? I would I, think I don't that know. the union would allow it. Well, I think... For whatever get, that means. Or maybe she doesn't appear in the opening credits or something like that. I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. I just... I read it. I read it somewhere on the internet, so I'm sure it's well, true. It's, obviously, it's true. Interwebs. It's all so. true. Carol, did you say you had one more piece of? Uh... Yeah, I just had a question. Everyone has their one love song, you know. Why? Why didn't Diane get up out of bed when she heard Lloyd playing that? That was the song. She stopped the moment in the car and said, "Yeah, she said, just hey, listen to this. It's a good song. Listen to this song. I love this song." Yeah, I, so, I had forgotten that. That's an important moment in the movie. She said that she loved that, and that's that's why he picked that song, whether it was Fishbone or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. he picked that to play on the boombox. That was to connect back to that moment with her. Why wouldn't she get up out of bed and look out the window? <laughs> why, why do we do anything well so you're oh. saying <laughs> women she was conflicted i know yeah i don't know i you know she's trying to please her you know father. what there's something because there's, there's, there's something inherently creepy about playing music outside a girl's window that's what it is so well, now her creep alert went off no. I know. I told. I know. No, I, told, I think she was. I think she was just so overcome romantic. with sadness. I mean, she was just like, Maybe. "Oh, I remember that," and I just can't. Uh... The movie would have ended twenty minutes early. The um, and I then tried. Her dad to... came in and closed the window. <laughs> did when we did the uh, say anything show the first time around? You know, ten years ago. Did I tell the story about singing a song outside a girl's window? You have told it, but you didn't on that show. Oh, okay. Because I did tell that us, one time. Tell us again. I, I'll tell the very. The creepiness factor, and you'll see it right away. In fact, in fact, it's the girl that I broke up with that caused me not – or the girl that broke up with me that caused me not to go to my high school graduation party. 
I went to her window, I guess that summer after graduation, and I learned to play Good Feeling by Violent Femmes. Okay. I learned to sing it. My friend played it. So okay. um, Is that Julie? That was, no, it wasn't Julie. That was Erica. So Erica, Erica lived next door to, to my best friend at the time. And so we, we drank many beers. I learned to play, I learned to sing the song. He played it. And so we went to her window and knocked on the window. She didn't answer. Knocked on the window. She didn't answer. It's <laughs> a train wreck. And we're like, this is ridiculous. So we, he's like, just, she's awake. Just sing it. So we started playing it. And then suddenly the windows, the window curtains fly open. And the, the window comes up. She's like, Erica's not here. <laughs> it was her sister was sleeping in the room, her older sister. <laughs> Shut uh, up, Brad. I think that's romantic. So yeah, um, it, it, the the outcome is is foreordained, Carol. That's exactly how yeah. that was going to work. I mean, Lloyd Dobler gave thousands, millions of, of men false hope that that would ever work. <laughs> well, it's this, the only time it's ever worked. Yeah. And so it, it, this was obviously 1985. So it was before the movie even came out, but it was still, it was like a wow. noble effort that was thwarted. You're ahead of your time. You were an original. I was Well, it's kind of, kind of Cyrano de Bergerac of you. It was. Yeah. It was. Everybody has to try that once and fail at it. And then, so everybody needs that story in their uh, collection. And, that was, and that's mine. So everyone, because this is the silver anniversary of the movie, everyone's asking, and so we will too. What do you think became of uh, Lloyd and Diane 25 years later? Are they still together or what are they doing separately? Hmm. I, I have a feeling that together. Lloyd is processing, selling, or buying <laughs> something. He's selling insurance. Maybe. He's probably damn good at it, too. Yeah, he probably is. He's like uh, Ned Ryerson. He found his... Di- <laughs> he found his dare-to-be-great situation. <laughs> That was a good one, Brad. <laughs> Dare to be great situations, life insurance. <laughs> you know what? He would be really good at someone that empathetic. Yeah. I think he'd be a really good salesperson in spite of his desire to not do so. He sold himself to Diane Court. That was a long shot. Carol, what do you think? Um, I think Diane would move on. I don't I think she needed him then when she was, you know, the the outcast in high school. Nobody knew her and so he was a connection back to you know, the social scene, but I think she moved on What's despite she... how lovable he is. I what think it... he's totally lovable and real, but and what do you think she's doing today? Oh. She's teaching comparative literature in some small liberal arts school. I think she's working on MS projects. <laughs> yeah. Bite your tongue. <laughs> <clears throat> so do you, do you know, or do you have friends that are <laughs> married that met in high school? Let me just come at it a different way. Um, I can think of one couple that we know that they met in high school. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So I, I just think I, I would – the romantic in me, I know, hard to believe. The romantic in me would like to believe that they're still together, but it seems like a long shot because they're so different. And I think Carol hit it that you know they kind of needed each other where they were then, but depending on how they grow – Lloyd's single-minded focus on taking care of her might not be enough. Yeah. You know? I I don't think they made it past uh Christmas break personally. <gasps> um but oh. they, they they needed each other for as long as they they'll, they'll be with each other as long as they need each other and the moment that they don't they right. move on. And, but I don't think yeah, I I don't know how will will Lloyd go into a tailspin again and find himself back at the gas and sip, which I can't believe we haven't talked about that scene. All you got to do is find a girl who looks just like her, do that. nail her, and then dump her, man. Dump her, Get her man. off your mind. Well, right. Your only mistake is that you didn't dump her first. Word. Diane Court is a show pony. You need a stallion, my friend. <laughs> walk with us and you walk tall. Walk tall, my man. You know is what that happens? Is that what happens when they break up? I don't know. I don't. You know what happens? I, I guarantee you. Here, I got it. I'm the first person who knows the answer to this question. Okay, so, yeah, they break up. But, bum, 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 25 years later, class reunion in Seattle. Dun, dun, they get back together. They they do the horizontal. No, they sleep with each other. Yeah, I'm saying right now they in the Malibu. Maybe not. No, in their hotel room oh, at the, the Holiday Holiday <laughs> Express, baby. I'm telling you, they 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 uh, rekindle their romance at the high school reunion. Are they, are they are they married? Are they divorced? Are they? I'll say one of them's married and one of them is divorced, but that they that it's just a one off. It's just a, it's just a quickie affair, and then they don't. No. No. Yeah, sorry. It's dirty. It's be dirty. 
and it's, and and uh, amazingly, probably Peter Gabriel's song is probably still playing in the background when they do it. Yeah, Diane never got married. No, no, no. What? I guarantee you, she's what? married. She's the one who's married with kids. It's Lloyd who got married and is divorced. What do you think, America? <laughs> I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't. I, like they I turned said, off I, the show I five minutes ago. That they could possibly be together, but I don't think they are. Uh, they're not the together. reunion hookup. That's intriguing. That's intriguing. I, cause I, I think hmm. they would both go to the reunion and, and I think that they well, would. Lloyd was, yeah, Lloyd was super popular. He would have no reason not to. If anybody wouldn't go, it would be her. Yeah, but she would go because she had that real positive experience at that one last party, you know, and, and, and dying to see him again. Kind of depends on how the 10 year reunion went. <laughs> the 10 year reunion went badly. It always went. And, and, and probably only one of them went to it. So, okay. I'm going to write a whole book about this. No one will buy it. <laughs> Just like all the other book ideas I come up with that no one would buy. Well, then don't don't waste too much time writing it then. Just make it a pamphlet. No, that's it. That's my lot in life. <laughs> so so anyway, so 25 years later, say anything still resonates to some degree. It still causes plenty of jokes. Um, we still fear of giving our heart and getting a pen in return. Carol, it's always a joy to have you on the show. Yeah. Well, thank you. So we'll leave you here in the great unknown of the future of Lloyd and Diane. If you think you know, email yeah, tell us. Tell us what you think happened. Emails at sit80s at gmail.com or drop it on Facebook. And in the meantime, along with Lloyd, Diane, and Mr. Court, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Oh, stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. Score! Come on, shoot! Oh, come on. Ah! <laughs> Stupid Sunderland. They deserve to lose. Turn off the television, Sorry, Brad.